tonight we've got uh, someone new uh, to many of us in terms of sharing on a Sunday. I, th- I was talking to David uh, this morning. I think the last time he spoke at Oasis was over five years ago. Uh, that's not because he did such a bad job. Uh, we thought we can't ever let him back. It's rather just because of the fact uh, Dave has a different day job. Uh, David's been uh, on now the directorship team of Biffa, which is uh, a recycling uh, industry uh, or company uh, for a number of years now. And that takes up most of his time as well as uh, ensuring he's doing the best he can as being a husband and a dad. Uh, And so from time to time, we kind of still say, actually, can we steal some of your time? So Dave does many things in terms of Oasis, uh, of helping us, supporting us in terms of what we do. But when we looked at what we were doing in terms of the Lord's Prayer, the bit that we were going to get to this evening or this morning as well, we just felt like actually David would add so much in terms of sharing some of his journey and some of what God's taught him on this. Because I can honestly say, uh, I think Paul writes this uh, to the Philippian church. He says, I know what it is to live in plenty and I know what it is to live in need. Uh, And what I've realized is the secret to contentment is to know that actually everything is through Jesus who gives me strength. And I think David's someone I've known who has lived in need and has also lived in plenty. But within it all, just navigate this way of just saying, actually, the key is just being plumb-lined into Jesus. And so I would encourage us, whenever we're listening to someone, is to open our hearts and our ears. Uh, I often always think people must wonder what I'm doing, because I'm always on my phone when people are talking. That isn't because I'm bored and texting people. It's actually because I make notes, because I find it really helpful to make notes as I listen, because it just engages different parts of me. As I encourage us, let's actively listen to Dave. Can we welcome him, as I know what he's going to share will do us good. Great. Thank you, Adrian. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm really pleased to be able to speak to you this evening. And um, for those of you who don't know me, as Adrian has said uh, uh, very nicely, my name's David. Um, I am married to Neris, who's not here this evening because she's with my daughter, Anna, out at an event somewhere. Uh, But I have Anna, who's 15-year-old, and twin boys, Dan and James, that you might have seen, um, 12 years old, who are out in youth, um, have been a part of Oasis for the last 16 years and do love Uh, being part of the family here and also we've just loved the afternoon service this is really our home uh, now so we don't generally go in the morning unless I'm helping uh, a bit in the kids work uh, occasionally Um, but just love what God's doing here love the feel of it love the vibe it's just really chilled and it's suiting us as a family well to have a Sunday morning together it's amazing Um, so I'm going to be speaking uh, this afternoon uh, continuing the series formed in prayer And just as a quick recap on the last four weeks, this is our fifth week, um, looking at the Lord's Prayer. It's part of the Bible, clearly, that's really familiar uh, to us, the Lord's Prayer, and easily missed, therefore, just how profound um, it was when Jesus taught um, this particular way of praying. Um, The Lord's Prayer has been called the Prayer of Prayers and is Jesus' key teaching to us on prayer, and therefore it's really important that we actually spend time to understand what Jesus was encouraging us to do and how he's encouraging us to pray. And this series is a great opportunity uh, to do that. Personally, um, I, I have quite a long commute to work, three, at least three days a week. And uh, I found actually the Lord's Prayer is incredibly helpful, just as in its simplicity, uh, in the way it's structured, just to be able to anchor my own prayers, especially when I'm driving, where it's very easy to um, be talking to God and then suddenly realize 15 minutes has passed and you haven't said anything at all. Um, so I find it, I personally uh, use the Lord's Prayer a lot. So just to recap on the last few weeks, we've seen that the prayer starts by centering on who God is as our loving Father, um, using the term Abba, Father, which means Daddy. Um, and we're shown that when we start to pray, we need to approach God as a little child would their father. And actually, um, that beginning, um, Heavenly Father, Um, really is the thing that then underlines every other bit of the prayer. And unless we can get that into us, who God is as our loving Father, and just how accepted we are, how incredibly positive the Lord and the Heavenly Father feels about you, each as an individual, that's where it all begins. And that's where Adrian began a few weeks ago. Um, And it means that we can be expectant of him. We can be trusting. We're one who's coming with a complete dependency on him in terms of what he's going to give to us uh, and how he's going to provide for us. 
We also see, as Adrian went on to speak about, that while God wants us to be close and familiar to him like a child to a father, he's also truly set apart from us. He is holy and he uh, is high above us and hallowed is his name. And that we need to be rescued from a kingdom of darkness into a glorious kingdom of light. And we do that by submitting our will to him, not our will, but yours be done. And inviting his unseen kingdom to invite our lives here and now and to invade the lives of the people around us. And this week we come to another profound statement in the prayer which um, would have been incredibly recognizable as a statement actually to the people, uh, the, the Jewish audience of Jesus's day. And it is now familiar to us, but perhaps we, uh, we miss a bit some of its full meaning, which is great why we get to spend the next half an hour kind of looking at it and delving around a bit and seeing what Jesus was talking about. Um, so why don't we start again by reading uh, or praying, actually, the Lord's Prayer together. I struggled to get this started all in one go, everyone, this morning, so I might just say one, two, three, and then we'll all pray the Lord's Prayer together. So one, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So today, the phrase we're looking at is to give us today our daily bread. And the first question that came to my mind, I don't know when you think about this, um, was, so in the, in the prayer, you know where we've come from, we've just read the prayer, where we've set ourselves, focused rather than on ourselves, onto Jesus, onto the Father, uh, onto his coming kingdom. And you think, actually, is this the part of the prayer where Jesus is encouraging us to essentially get the wish list out? He knows that there's lots of things that we need in life, clothing, a job, food, money, um, is this the point at which we're just literally to get the wish list out and start our request to Jesus? Or actually, we know that the Bible describes Jesus as the bread of life. Is this talking about something about our spiritual need for him and our need to feed on Jesus in himself? Is it one? Is it physical things? Is it material and practical things? Or is it talking about a spiritual reality? It's a question we could ask. And I think that's a good question. And it's something we're going to come back to because it's actually really important and fundamental in terms of what uh, Jesus is teaching. And to understand this, we need to go back and look at the origins of the term daily bread and exactly where that came from. And, um, you know, sometimes to understand things, we need to hunt around a little bit. We need to think about where they came from and their origins. And I don't know about you, have you ever spent any time researching a bit your family tree in terms of your own origins, in terms of where you came from? Because people like doing this. They think perhaps... In a sense, you know, understanding a bit about your background might define a bit more who you are and how you got here. Um, we've got friends, uh, a friend actually who um, is descended uh, from, well, thinks that they're a descendant of Captain Cook and finds that very example, very exciting to bring out as an example at parties. Um, I've got another friend who is, who is closely related to one of the original missionaries to China and uh, he often liked to remind us all of that. Um, for some reason. Does anyone here have any interesting relatives in their backgrounds that they know about? You've researched and realized you're, you know, you've got royal blood in you or anything? Oh, I'm sorry. I'll tell you what then, I'll tell you about mine. Um, I've never really been that interested, to be honest, in my uh, family tree, but I do happen uh, the, the interesting bit of my family is on my father's side and that my grandmother was um, part of the sort of Austrian nobility in Vienna. And I've never been that interested in this, but my sisters actually have uh, been interested in this and researched it a bit and been out to Vienna. And we thought, wouldn't it be fun actually to go and find out a bit about my history, some sort of connection there, it's quite exciting. So actually last weekend, oddly, we went to Vienna on a small trip, the five of us, we got Airbnb and uh, landed in the city of Vienna and this is the connection that I found. So, can you see the resemblance? I've actually given myself a Hagrid beard there to help you um, kind of 
transpose this. But this is Heinrich von Ferstel, born in 1828. He's actually my great, great, great grandfather. So it's quite removed. Um, and Heinrich von Ferstel is actually an architect and a builder and built one of the incredible cathedrals that's in uh, the center of Vienna. And uh, we walked around this cathedral on Monday, actually. It's just amazing to think this chap um, had this capability and uh, to be able to do that. We went to the palace of Firstal and had a meal in a whole beautiful kind of terrace and stuff that he built. Um, and it's kind of interesting. And, you know, I think I sort of kind of look like him. Um, what's that tell me about me? Well, I guess I've always quite liked the, the film The Sound of Music and maybe... <laughs> It explains that. I do absolutely adore apple strudel. Um, so, you know, maybe there's uh, some connection there. But anyway, it doesn't really tell me a lot. It's all intriguing and it's interesting. We had a lovely trip. But actually, to understand the term daily bread, just to move back to what we're actually looking at this morning, uh, this afternoon, um, it's really actually helpful to go back in time and to consider the Jewish forefathers and what they believed and how they saw things. Because we know actually that the Bible is uh, a collection of books written by different authors over hundreds of years, but it's also super connected because actually all those people who were writing it were connected by the Spirit of God and inspired by the Spirit of God to write what they wrote. So there are themes in the Bible that run throughout, and to understand the full meaning of certain phrases like daily bread, we have to actually hunt around for those connections. And the term daily bread would have triggered very familiar thoughts in the mind of Jesus' early audience. And basically, to see uh, what they would be thinking, you need to go back to a story right at the beginning of the Bible in Exodus 16. And in Exodus, we find that God's people, who have been subjected to years of slavery and harsh rule under the Egyptians, are rescued by God under the leadership of Moses. And having been dramatically rescued and experiencing many miracles on their journey, they find themselves at the beginning of an arduous journey across a desert. And they're not very happy. Uh, they're very unhappy about the lack of food, as we'll see. So let's read together from Exodus 16. We start at verse 1. And that is a bit small, so feel free to follow in your Bible. So um, Exodus 16, verse 1 says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and then came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert... The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we had round pots of meat, and we ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve the, whole in, the entire assembly to death. And the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down. Now you think actually what they deserve is for him to rain down fire. But what he says is that I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they'll follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as what they gather on the other days. And then jumping to verse 13. That evening, quail came, which was like a bird, and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat, daily bread. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person uh, you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it out by the omer, the one who gathered much didn't have too much. And the one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it till morning. And what did they do? However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning. And then in the morning, it was full of maggots and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. When the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest. 
a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it to the morning. So they saved it to the morning, as Moses said, and it didn't stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You'll not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you're to gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there won't be any. So then to finish, verse 35, the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. So perhaps a familiar story to us. But the phrase daily bread would have taken the Jewish person back to this early story. And what can we take from this? Well, overall, this is a story of God saving his people, taking them from a kingdom of slavery and darkness into a glorious kingdom of freedom and of peace. And in this story, we see God's people have a number of problems. Firstly, they're homeless, they're on the move, and they're vulnerable while they travel to a new land. Secondly, actually, in the desert, they have nothing to eat, they have no provision. Um, And thirdly, uh, the big problem that they have is that their hearts are incredibly far from God, they're full of disobedience, they don't actually trust God and what God's doing with them. But God provides miraculously for them a daily amount of food, which is neither too much nor too little. It's daily bread, it's daily provision, each according to their needs. And the amazing thing is that he's faithful to them even when they're disobedient and they're faithless. His word remains true throughout the whole of those 40 years as he continues to provide for their needs. So I'm just going to draw five things out of this passage um, and uh, the Lord's Prayer. And um, uh, of each of these points, um, the second point actually takes a bit longer, but don't worry, they're not all quite this long and the, the, the final uh, three after that are a lot quicker. Um, but the first thing we need to conclude from this is actually that God is really mindful of our needs. God is mindful of what we need and wants to provide for us. Just moving on from the Lord's Prayer, a few chapters on, uh, in Matthew 6, we find that passage which actually, when I'm uh, in need, I like to read the whole passage where it says, do not worry, and it describes some of the things that we need, you know, that we need clothing, we need food, and uh, Jesus says, actually, don't worry about them, and don't worry about what you need tomorrow. And there's just a phrase in there which is incredibly encouraging, it's because your father knows that you need them. And it goes on to say about seeking the first king, the kingdom of God, but actually it's saying that God the Father is absolutely mindful of the practical needs that we have in our lives um, and uh, is aware of those. If you think back to the very beginning in Genesis, actually God created us and placed us as humanity in a bountiful garden which was to be enjoyed and be sustained Because it is actually, with Jesus being the bread of life, I guess it's possible to just think, actually, that maybe this is only spiritual, but actually God is just as concerned with our physical well-being. I love the story in Mark 5 where where we see Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. So he's called upon to come and minister to this girl, and by the time he arrives, she's died. And... um, after raising her from the dead, I don't know if you've read this, but the first thing he said that was to happen was that she was to be given some food. That having suffered so traumatically, he was concerned that she had something familiar and comforting, that feeling of eating, and he was eager to meet her physical needs, as well as the fact he'd just done an incredible miracle to, to bring her back to life. So God actually knows us, and part of the way he shows his love to us is not just in a spiritual sense, but it is by the physical things and the way he provides for us and the things he puts around us. We see actually in this city and in our nation and around the world the very destructive power of poverty and the impact it has on individuals and whole societies. And from this we need to think that actually poverty was never part of God's plan, but it's a consequence of our sinfulness and our self-centeredness as a human race. I'm going to come on to say a bit more about why when we pray for daily bread, we're actually praying for our daily bread and not my daily bread. I'm going to say more about that um, and about how we should be part of that in the way that we think about society. 
However, to start with ourselves, it might be that you're here this evening and in some way you have a very real physical need. What you can take from Jesus encouraging us to pray this prayer is that God is absolutely mindful of each of the needs that are represented in this room this evening and that he's encouraging you to ask to provide for those needs. In Exodus, we see that the people of Israel are completely dependent on God, providing for them every day in a miraculous way. And even when they disobey, disobey, he continues to provide for them. And in that, their trust in his provision and dependency on him grew through this time. They actually became more faithful as a people as God continually showed his faithfulness to them. And that's something that we see in our own lives as well. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus encouraged us um, to ask the Father for what we need and then we can expect him to provide for us. Just as an example of this, there was a time actually just after our boys boys were born, so this would have been about 12 years ago, um, where it was a bit of a surprise having twins, actually we had Anna and then two years and then the person with the scanner said it's twins and, you know, just sort of go, wow, okay, that's interesting news. Um, But anyway, we had a two-bed house, and it became evident. Actually, the first thing I said was, I've just ordered the wrong car. These are all the wrong things to say when you realize you're having twins. I've ordered the wrong car, and we're going to have to move house. Um, So quite practical. Um, And anyway, we identified the house, and uh, and actually, you know when you move house, it always costs more than you think it's going to. And I did all the sums and worked out what we could afford. And the reality was this house we were moving to, we needed a bit of extra money to do some stuff on the house to make it work for us. But as happens regularly in my budgeting process, the strength of my optimism overcomes a lot of practicalities. And actually, we did have enough money to move once I worked it all out. Um, but we didn't have enough money to do some of the things that we needed to do for us to be comfortable in this house. Uh, And I ended up in trouble with certain individuals in our house, um, naming no names. Um, Around that time as well, though, I don't know quite how it happened, but I just, someone encouraged me, actually, um, to look at my tax. And um, was I claiming everything that I could do in my tax? And actually, it turned out there was something I should have been claiming in my tax that I wasn't. And actually, it could be backdated. And this all happened around the same time. And um, I'd love to say that we kind of, in this time, got down on our knees and prayed. But actually, we just had twins. Brains were addled and uh, not enough sleep. Um, but anyway, this thing that I could then backdate basically turned into a sum of money that was what we needed at that point in order to do the things. And And it was just such a gracious kind of sign again of God's provision for me. Because in reality, I should have been more on top of this stuff. I probably should have had it all a bit more together. But it's just an incredible reminder of God saying, no, David, I've got your back. I'm looking after you. I'm concerned about your provision. I'm concerned about the detail. And and we've actually had so many things like that happen in our lives, just where we've seen God provide, even when we don't ask for it, just knowing his that he's our good, good uh, father. The second thing I want to come on to talk about is just actually, and this will take a bit longer, but contentedness and submission to God's perfect will and uh, what he's encouraging us in, in terms of praying for daily bread. There's a big difference, isn't there, between our needs and our wants. And any of you who either work with children or, or who have children will know that is regularly a debate in our household. You know, Dad, I need the iPad. No, you don't need the iPad. What you need to do is your homework. Um, You'd think in our house that access to YouTube is like a fundamental human right. Um, We see, actually, in the story of Exodus that while God provided and met um, the people of Israel's physical needs with daily bread, he also did it in a way that was strictly limited. He didn't... uh, give them complete abundance. But actually, the variety of the fruit, food was very restricted. It was manna and it was quail. And the quantity of it each day was completely restricted to what what was exactly right. This is because while God is concerned about meeting our physical needs, he's also concerned about changing the attitudes of our hearts. And actually, to understand what was going on in this story in Exodus, Moses, a few books on in Deuteronomy, explains that. Um, So if we just jump and read together from Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. 
So this is Moses explaining what God was doing in the way that he provided specifically for the people of Israel during the desert. So remember how the Lord has led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Does that verse sound at all familiar? It's actually the verse that a few chapters before the Lord's Prayer that Jesus quoted when he'd been in the desert for 40 days, just like the people of Israel were in the desert for 40 years. And he, at that point, hadn't eaten or drunk anything and looked around and the stones on the floor must have started looking like bread because he started getting tempted to turn these stones into bread. And when he'd been tempted... He was hungry, and he looked, and, uh, but he quoted from the scripture in Deuteronomy, which says, man does not live on bread alone, but by the ver- every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Unlike the people of Israel, Jesus' heart was revealed to be completely pure and completely incorruptible. In a state of hunger and physical need, he knew that it was God the Father who would sustain him. There was nothing that could sustain him more or make any difference in his life than knowing his father and that he'd be sustained by every word that God speaks to him. And you know, this is amazing because it brings us back full circle to Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, give us our daily bread, he's teaching us that while our physical needs are really important, they're not the whole picture. We cannot be sustained by bread alone. We have a far deeper daily spiritual need which only God can meet. Give us our daily bread is a prayer for Jesus to sustain our hearts and strengthen our spirits as we surrender our lives to him. Jesus is the bread of life and to know him is to have your spirit nourished daily by the living God. This prayer is an expression of complete trust in God the Father to provide for us. And it follows on from let your will be done, where we surrender our own will to that of the Father. If you think about the word daily in daily bread, this in itself speaks of the boundaries in our lives which God has put in place. Each day has a beginning and an end. Limitations. We can just consider actually that God's has put limitations on our own lives and different capacities in all sorts of different dimensions. If you just think actually, just the era that we've been born into, God ordains our days, when we were born, when we're going to die. He's decided um, the time that we're gonna live on the earth and the stability of the nation that we live in. He's determined how much free time each of us currently have to use and to dispose of our physical energy our well-being our state of health our emotional capacity the amount of money that might happen to pass through our bank accounts each month that sometimes we may always want to be a bit more the depth and the quality of our friendships the security and stability of our family or whether or not we're married all these things are actually if we talk to each other are all different for one another all these things differ from person to person And if we consider the implications of praying for daily bread in his provision for us in each of these ways, we're actually asking that God provides for us perfectly in a way that sustains us, but also that he doesn't give us somehow an abundance that might spoil us or cause us to lose our dependency upon him. As it says in the Deuteronomy verse, there's a really clear connection in the way that God provides for us and the, uh, in the way that he also disciplines us as his children. There's a really strong connection between those things. He's so committed to our good that he won't withhold anything we need, nor is he going to give us anything that's going to harm us, even actually if we don't perceive uh, that a certain thing might harm us or not. 
There's another verse um, in looking into this that I hadn't seen before in Proverbs, and actually having seen it now, this is a scary verse. So if you're not wanting to be scared, then you could look away. Um, It's in Proverbs, and actually it connects both the Lord's Prayer and the story in Exodus. Proverbs 30, verse 8, where it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I might have too much and I might disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I might become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. This is a really challenging verse for us in the West. We live in such a materialistic society where having more is always considered to be best and to be better and to put you further on the road to fulfillment, to have more stuff, more things in your life. The implication is that for each one of us in every dimension of our lives, there's actually two limits we could potentially experience where our material existence puts our heart attitude at risk. Potentially, on the one side, you might have too little and actually endure hardship and difficulty and want to take your provision into your own hands. On the other side, you may have too much and actually have stuff that's so distracting to you and actually causes you to think that you don't need God. That's what the the verse in Proverbs is saying. But to pray, give me my daily bread, is to actually to pray, Lord, place me in this center ground, in this place. It's actually the prayer that we sang uh, as our first song that we sang tonight, Psalm 23. To be in this place is to say, take me to the place, Lord, where I know that you're my shepherd, and therefore I have no wants. Take me to this place where I'm perfectly provided for, be that with, uh, in terms of the provision that you've given me. John Piper puts it really well, um, where he says, I I believe this is that place as well, where God is most uh, glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. Or as it says in Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. Or then in Psalm 118, where it says, this is the day, these are the limits the Lord has set on my life. And that day could mean any limit, any dimension. This is what God's given me. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. Just as a child often doesn't know what is good or bad for them, like we heard in the Deuteronomy passage, We can have appetites for things which in excess will hurt or distract us. The great news is that we can trust God to perfectly provide for us. And this is worth pausing and thinking about, actually about some of the things that we may feel are limitations on our lives. And then actually to start seeing some of those limitations differently, because it could be that some of those limits are set by God as a way of actually causing him to draw closer to him in this moment to know him as the lord the shepherd and to trust him for everything that you need we can actually paraphrase the prayer um, give us our daily bread as lord provide for me what i need today such that i grow more in love with you in this place i guess one thing we just need to quickly touch on that actually in praying therefore for daily bread it's entirely conceivable that the Lord could well, as well as give you things, he could well cause things to be taken away as well. The Lord could restrict or remove or turn your heart against certain things which are not good for you. As we pray, he actually changes our appetites as we submit to him for hunger for things that are good. As a small example, as I've said, I do a lot of driving. And you know, sometimes in the morning, it's so easy to put on the news and then just listen. Sometimes my commute can be as long as an hour and a half just to listen to an hour and a half of news and so often I just get to a point and just think this is not doing me any good anymore I just need to put this off I need to put some worship music on or actually just enjoy the silence of this moment and invite the king to come and be with me because actually I can just end up arriving at work feeling really cynical really sort of down about the world instead of feeling refreshed uh, by my heavenly father It might be actually that um, you might find that certain TV programs that you once enjoyed just start to sour for you um, as God challenges perhaps the fact that you've become dependent on them. 
Or it might be, um, and, and God really genuinely, I guess, is concerned about our appetites, not just of what we desire in terms of food, but in terms of what we consume every day. Uh, and he wants to influence that, and that's part of what we're praying here. Or it could be like the rich young ruler, a number of chapters on in Matthew, that actually Jesus could challenge you to give something away, something that's become too important for you. You know, the problem with the rich young ruler was not his wealth. It was the fact that his wealth and his uh, possessions and the land that he owned had started to completely be his identity. It was the thing that he trusted in. He went away sad because actually it had become a total obstacle between him and God. I know sometimes actually I just find it hard to want to be generous and I know at that point that my relationship with money or my relationship with possessions is just not in a good place. And it's at that point we need to actually say, Jesus, what would you have me do? Whisper to me, Jesus. And often it would mean giving something away. Do you know, as a young person, what someone once said to me, it's always stuck with me, that actually we should hold everything that God gives us and put in our hands with an open palm actually what he's given us, we're to be stewards of everything that he's given us, not to be rulers or owners of it. And you know, what God has given us, he has the right to be able to take away. Like Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's the way uh, that we're to hold things. So actually, if we come back to that question of saying, is daily bread, is it about physical stuff or is it about spiritual stuff? We can see actually it's totally about both. And actually, there's this connected relationship between the two where God uses the limits and the things that he's given you and the resources he's given you, actually, for your good, to form in you a character that is more and more turned towards him and to become more and more like him. Okay, moving on now. Um, I just want to talk, again, back to the story in Exodus, the fact that actually... Jesus wants us to walk, and part of praying for daily bread is for us to walk free from comparisons. We can see in Exodus that the people of Israel start grumbling, comparing their current circumstances with what it was like back in Egypt, uh, and pining for the food they had there. We want these large bowls of meat that we had back in Egypt. Why have you brought us there? Even though back in Egypt, they were treated incredibly harshly. They were oppressed and they were slaves. They started hungering for this time. And you know, we have that in us, don't we? That the grass is potentially always greener. Um, we can often struggle with comparing ourselves and the lot that God has given us at this point in time, either with previous times in our lives or with other people who are around us or with kind of pining in some way for a future time where something is suddenly going to be better. You know, we might struggle with saying, oh, they've got a better job than me. Oh, they're so much brighter, more intelligent than I am. They have more friends. They seem to just be hanging out with people and going to the pub all the time. I have no friends. Oh, back then was such a golden era. God doesn't move like he did back in the dot, dot, dot era. Um, what about... I just can't wait until I get this or this changes or a future period where something's really different. It's amazing actually if you read Jesus' teaching just about how much he talked about living in the present. You know, we talk about mindfulness now, which is about being present in the moment. But actually Jesus encouraged us to do that. Don't worry about tomorrow. Be present in today because that's where I am. And the passage in Exodus warns us against comparisons and how they turn our hearts away from trusting God and living for him in our present circumstances. Because they're constantly questioning why, we can constantly question why our circumstances aren't different rather than trusting him as the perfect father. So actually as we pray for daily bread, that's exactly uh, what we're doing. God wants us to be free from the grip of comparisons. It's saying, God, you give me what is perfect for me, not what Joe Bloggs has or I had yesteryear. Okay, the next bit we need to draw from this is actually one of the things we really need to know um, so much as people, certainly in this time and in our society, is the daily bread of rest. It's amazing that um, we see that actually in the, the story with Moses that God inbuilt this rhythm of resting uh, on the seventh day. You collect two portions of food on, this, on the Saturday, because not well, on the sixth day, um, because on the seventh day you're to rest and it's to be a, a Sabbath day. 
we really need to know rest. A colleague of mine recently, uh, who to be honest is quite crazy, uh, is a very senior guy in our business, and he tried to explain to me why he works with such a restless, tireless energy. And he, his first ever job, and he's, he's uh, very senior now, so he's a number of jobs through. But his first job, he actually worked for a business that um, fired the bottom 10% of performers every year. So actually, this business was all about the survival of the fittest, and that was their concept around people and how they caused people to work. And on his first day of employment in his career, the person who hired him said, Today, John, I am firing a bullet at you. Your job is to run faster for this company than this bullet's following you. Because actually, when this bullet catches you, your day is done. <laughs> he actually said to me that, um, for him, he said, actually, since that moment, he's never stopped running. And that's the way he's approached his uh, career, just working tirelessly to be successful. And you know, life in our society can be absolutely exhausting, like a perpetual race which never ends and no one ever seems to win. And the problem is that our society just really struggles to value rest. Um, I know in our workplace at the moment, there's a lot of talk about well-being and uh, we're investing a lot in that. And there's loads of really good stuff in that, but actually, fundamentally, um, some of it is just actually kind of, I guess, the basis of it is about how you kind of improve your productivity or be more successful. It doesn't actually address the deep lack of meaning that that restlessness portrays. And yet we see that in daily bread, Jesus encouraged us to have a rhythm of rest built into our lives. I'd really encourage you, if you've seen the pause booklet that Adrian and the team have produced, it's just fantastic to get hold of that and consider, I guess, what you're doing in terms of the rest and the patterns in your own lives, and to be honest, I am speaking more to myself than anyone else in this room at this point in time. To find Jesus in our everyday is to find the ultimate source of rest. There's lots of good things we can do uh, in this life, but actually it's, um, it's when we find him as our savior who's paid the price and who's announced over you, it is finished. That is the true and only place of rest. In the analogy of the bullet that was fired at John, it's Jesus who stepped in front of that bullet, has taken the bullet and says, it is finished. And you can be free from your own attempts to save yourself, to prove yourself, um, because I've done it for you. Um, to pray for daily bread is absolutely, do you hear this? people say this, that actually in this life we make our own luck? Uh, I hear people say that a lot. And actually, to pray for daily bread is completely the opposite because it's saying, I have a heavenly Father who loves me, who provides for me, who I can abide in and trust for my future. It's good news. Okay, just the last point about um, why the prayer is praying, give us our daily bread, and it's not praying, give me my daily bread. And actually, a lot of what I've said so far is really personal, but as when Mike began this series, he said actually the whole intention of the Lord's Prayer is to take our eyes off ourselves and to place them on the Father and on his provision for us, and then also to see his kingdom come in the world around us and how that impacts us. Um, and I believe it's very intentional that it is us and our daily bread. And it's not just a prayer for God's provision for me, but it's also about our communities, it's about how God provides for us in this, uh, as a church family, in our wider family, in our society, our city, our country, and even the world. Do you know, we can pray that Proverbs 30 prayer about um, neither having poverty nor riches. We can pray that for the fair distribution of wealth across the world and an end to poverty. And you know, as we pray that, it actually implicates us in being part of the answer, we should be asking or causing us to ask, how can I more fairly distribute the good things that God's given to me? And it's not just money. It could be that we could ask, how can I see that my colleagues' needs are met better this week as I seek to build a community of trust in my workplace? How can I influence my campus to ensure no one is lonely this week? How do I create space for my children each day to be reminded of God's love for them? Or in my recovery, how can I show love to those who are recovering beside me? So having prayed, let your kingdom come, we now get to play our part in being 
the body of Christ. We get to be living bread to those that we come into contact with. And that's what it means to pray for daily bread. That God does, just doesn't provide for us, but he provides for all of those around us and all of his children. So to wrap up, we've seen that the phrase daily bread is super connected and we've been on quite a a journey through the Bible looking back at the Exodus through Deuteronomy to Proverbs and back to Jesus' teaching himself and seen that all these things are connected together. We've seen that God is completely attentive to our physical needs and that he actually works through all of our circumstances and the way he sets limits on our lives to cause us to love him more and that the prayer for daily bread is about submitting to that perfect will that he has for us. As we surrender our wants to him, we find rest in him. His provision also, as we've said, causes us to turn outward and to consider how we can demonstrate his coming kingdom by providing for others around us. So what can we do just to live differently in the light uh, of this truth this week? And this was just, uh, I guess, some things I felt could help us this week to really ground what God's saying and encouraging us to pray for daily bread. The first thing um, that I often forget is very simple, and that's when we have needs, we just need to ask. We need to ask him. He is so generous. He is so loving. He's so for each one of you. And actually, there's so many needs we come up at against every day of just things that happen. You know, life uh, is not always easy, is it? And actually, sometimes I get so far into something, and then I just think, I haven't even asked him for it. Um, and he wants to hear those prayers. He's so concerned with the detail in, in your life and, and in my life. He's so concerned, and there's nothing. Just as a heavenly father, you know, if, if uh, one of my boys comes and asks me something ridiculously detailed, I don't say to him, that's just not important to me. I listen to him, and I love to help provide if I can, if it's appropriate, and as long as it's not related to YouTube, then... Um, often the answer will be yes. So bring your requests, ask, seek, knock. Just remember that we can ask him for what we need. I think it is challenging just to consider um, actually just submitting our current circumstances to the Lord and asking him to be the good shepherd in, in those and actually for us to know that sense that whatever it is and the limits he's put currently on our lives, for us to know the peace where we can say the Lord is my shepherd And to be able to meditate on that this week could be really helpful just in considering, I guess, how things are for you at the moment. Um, I think there's a challenge here. Jesus is the bread of life. The way that we receive that mostly is through God's word. What is our relationship to the word at the moment? How much are we actually just making time to read God's word just daily to have a, a time where we can soak in the goodness of his scripture? It does you such good. It frames what is going to happen in your day. It gives you vital soul food for you to hang on uh, as you make your way through the day. What time are we making to be able to meditate uh, and really feast on the Word of God? It might be that actually you are feeling challenged about comparisons and you just need to ask for forgiveness. And actually a lot of the time when I feel those things about comparing my own circumstances with someone else, just to pray for them. And to say, thank you, Lord, for the way you've provided for this person. Let them know, let them know daily bread. Let them know that you're the bread of life today. Be more abundant to them, Lord Jesus, but change my heart because I know something's gone wrong. Um, And it might be that actually he is calling you perhaps to give something away, to raise a knife to something in your own life, like Abraham had to raise a knife to Isaac, who'd become too important to him for you to sacrifice something and to consider what that might look like. It might be that you're here this evening and you just need to know rest. You need to take time out to seek his presence. It might be helpful to say, you know, what are the bullets that are chasing me at the moment? What are the expectations that someone else has put upon you uh, that actually God has not called you to be in a race that you have somehow inadvertently entered at the moment and that God wants to call you to rest? Um, I'm not, by the way, being negative about being ambitious in work because I, I think that can be good. But as soon as it becomes part of what defines us or that we build our identity on it, it's a house of cards. And um, God wants to free us from those things. And I think it'd be really challenging, finally, to pray through Proverbs 30 um, with society in mind and just pray, Lord, you've given us such an abundant world. 
King Jesus, would you teach us how to share that abundance in, the, in a way that everyone is provided for in our society? Why don't we just stand and I'm going to pray for us as we end. Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you that you are so good and that actually it always starts with love. It starts with you initiating your incredible work in our lives and it isn't about our efforts. It's not about the fact we've chosen you. It's not even the fact that we've come here tonight, but it's just all has begun with you and your desire to pursue us and your love for us as a heavenly and perfectly perfect heavenly father Lord we've heard a lot tonight about what it is to ask for daily bread and Holy Spirit I just welcome you to come and to touch people and Lord just for this to be a moment Lord Jesus where you are able just to whatever it is people need whatever action people here need to to take Lord Jesus for Holy Spirit you just to encourage them in that now Holy Spirit come Just fill each one of us. Lord Jesus, if it's just that we're living with an expectation at the moment that someone else, like an employer, or someone else in our family or a friend has put on us, we just lay that down now and say, Jesus, there's only one person on the throne of our lives. and His name is Emmanuel, God with us. King Jesus, you are the Lord of our lives and we just submit again to you in this moment. Jesus. And Lord, just as Rich preached last week, we pray that your kingdom would come in our city, that your will would be done just as in on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray for your provision in our lives. We pray for an abundance for us to bless this city. We pray that you would come in your power, your kingdom power, and that you would cause this city to become whole again, that you would provide for it, Lord Jesus, and that we'd be part of that incredible story. So be with us this week as we go out. We pray for your blessing, your peace, your spirit upon us, Lord Jesus, in our conversations, in our families, in our workplaces, wherever we are, Lord Jesus. Just be with us as we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen.